You're listening to the College Age Movement Podcast. Well, hey, everybody. We are starting a new series this week entitled One Another. What we're going to be doing is we're going to look at, at several verses over the next month that uh, use the phrase one another. We know that there are dozens and dozens of verses throughout Scripture that, that talk about how we live a life well lived in pursuit of one another. So over the next month, we'll be doing that. This week, we're going to start in the book of Romans, and we're going to start in Romans chapter 12, verse 16. It says this, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Harmony. Uh, it's a word that we all know, but it probably isn't one that we use on a regular basis because our world is, to be honest, far from harmonious. Harmony is defined as this. It's defined as the quality of forming a pleasing and consistent whole. I would venture to say that there isn't much in our world today that we would consider whole either, complete, something that we feel like is where it should be. It feels like most parts are broken, most parts are divided, and it's hard. It's difficult to look at the world and not feel like there is harmony in a world that deserves harmony. But the question is, how do we do it? How do we live in harmony when people have different beliefs, when people have different stances, when people have different political views, when people have their feelings, they're human, and everything else that comes along with being human? I think this verse, this short verse, gives us a, a good beginning to a roadmap on how we find harmony with the world around us, with the people around us. And, and the first way is this, is that we need to be people who avoid pride, avoid pride. Take a second and think about someone in your life that you believe is prideful. I'll give you just a second. Now, how many of us thought about ourselves when we thought about somebody prideful that we know? Probably not many of us. Here's the thing. Pride is incredibly dangerous because it's so difficult to detect in our own lives. But other people see it without a doubt. Pride creates a barrier. It creates a barrier between us hearing the voice of God. It creates a barrier to us connecting with people. When we think that we have the best way, we don't tend to listen to God's way. And when we think that we have the best way, we really don't make room for people to offer up their way at all. See, if our hope is to live in harmony with other people, if our hope is to find harmony in our world, we have to understand that that is going to be really difficult to accomplish if people don't want to live with us at all. Like There will be no harmony if people avoid us because they can see that we are full of pride. Proverbs 26.12 says, Do you see a person wise in their own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for them. Man, are, we pro- are, are we wise in our own eyes? Do we look at ourselves and have pride about our wisdom? Or do we cast encouragement towards other people and, and call them wise and, and recognize the gifts that they have? Or are we just so focused on ourselves? So maybe the first step in our pursuit of harmony with others should be an internal look at ourselves. As we're trying to figure out how to have harmony externally in our relationships, would we be willing to look internally? For us to have healthy relationships, for us to bridge gaps, we have to be willing to kill our pride. I think that this is really important. I think that we have to be people who want to be more like Jesus than we want to be right. Let me say that again. We need to be people who want to be more like Jesus than we want to be right. And pride does not help us in the pursuit of that. The second point would be this, is that we need to be people who associate with everyone. 
I think that this can be something that's really hard for many of us. Our human tendency is to gravitate towards people who are very much like us. But as followers of Jesus, if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus like I do, it's of the, the utmost importance that we become people who are more concerned about the actual person than we are our personal preference. See, when we focus on our personal preference, we are leaning into our humanity, but when we focus on people, we are leaning into God's calling on our lives. You see, the broken parts of our humanity, coupled with culture, have taught us to have a mindset that essentially asks us to look at people as commodities, that our relationships become commodities, and the people in those relationships are commodities. They're, they're dependent on our personal preference that we we would ask the question like if, if i were to entertain this relationship if i was to step into this relationship if i was to spend time with this person or this group of people whatever it may be what is in it for me now we might not ever say that out loud but we're kidding ourselves if we do not believe that our actions and decisions don't speak that loud and clear oftentimes that if we are people who are unwilling to associate with everyone then we are, are communicating pretty clearly. We are only willing to be in relationship with people that bring us something. James chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, it says, My brothers and sisters, believers in our Lord, in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, we must not show favoritism. Suppose a man came into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy clothes and also, also comes in. If you ch show a special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but then you say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet, have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? You see, Jesus made it clear, really clear that we're not to show favoritism towards specific people. The question is, if he said it, are we willing to obey it? It will undoubtedly go against our human nature to move towards people that are different than us, but going against our human nature is kind of the whole point, isn't it? When we're willing to step into the lives of other people, if we're willing to step into the lives that we don't understand, we build relationships. And those relationships will undoubtedly they'll, they'll, they'll bring hard conversations, but hard conversations are good. Hard conversations, if done in love, bring incredible understanding and incredible uh, knowledge and, and eventually they're going to bring harmony because if we're willing to step into the lives of people that we don't understand we will find the whole that's what creates the whole is when pieces of the puzzle that look different ways that, that play different parts come together in unison here's the thing we aren't called to love people we understand we are called to love people Full stop. We aren't called to love people we understand. We are simply called to love people. When I worked uh, at a restaurant for, for a decade of my life, um, it was a secular environment. There were people from every walk of life, different backgrounds, different religions, definitely different political beliefs, all these different things that happened. And, and I started working there when I was 17. And uh, I just didn't understand really fully how to how to vibe with people who who didn't share at least some commonality with me shared interests shared beliefs shared values whatever it may be and there was a section um, of our restaurant that was the first to close every night and when it did close then people would go and they would eat and I, I just remember like for the first year year and a half that I worked there if there was somebody in there that that I related with 
uh, I would sit with them, but sometimes there wasn't anybody in there at all. Sometimes there was people in there that had their own crew and I would just kind of sit by myself and, and get on my phone. And it wasn't because I disliked them. It was just that I think I was intimidated by them. I remember one time I walked into that room. There were three people sitting together at a table. They were the only ones in that room eating. And, and I started to walk past the table and I felt like the Lord was asking me to sit with them. And, and my response was like, Lord, I, I don't relate with these people. I don't understand these people. And I just felt an impression from the Lord that the Lord was like, I didn't ask you to relate with them. I didn't ask you to understand it and understand them. I'm just asking you to sit with them. And it was the beginning of some of my favorite relationships over a decade of working there. See, sometimes we need to understand that we don't need to relate with people. We don't need to understand everything about them. But we can still sit with them. Sitting with people, being in relationship, having conversations is what is going to bring harmony. Another key passage that lays out incredible ways to find that harmony is 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 17. It says, Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called so that you may inherit that blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened, but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Keep a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better, if it is God's will, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. I think there's a lot of things that we could dive into about this passage, but I just want to look at a few of the instructions given by the Apostle Peter. The first one is this, that we are called to be a community of compassion. If we truly want to be people who are in pursuit of the whole, if we truly want to be people who are in pursuit of harmony, we have to be filled with compassion as individuals and also as a collective movement. Here's the thing. I think that many of us confuse what compassion actually means. We often associate compassion with sympathy and empathy. And while those are components of compassion, they are not the same thing because compassion requires action. Compassion is all about recognizing people's plight and jumping in. But here's the caveat. Is that recognizing, recognizing people's plight and jumping in has to be done without judgment. It has to be done without telling them where they, what they could have done different. It has to be done without telling them that you aren't struggling with what they are because you haven't made the same mistakes. That's not compassion. That's judgment. Now, if we build relationships and, and we relate with people eventually and we, we understand people on some level eventually and, and we have a shared experience, then we can step in and say, hey, can I give some suggestions? But only when they know you love them. Only when they know that you are for them. I think that compassion with, will without a doubt be a foundational piece of the church, the big church, the big C church reaching the world, that we would be people of action, that we wouldn't just recognize injustice, we wouldn't just recognize the brokenness in the world, but we would actually engage with it. The second thing is this, is that harmony requires the pursuit of peace. Peace is another thing that we don't often find in our human nature, but something that we absolutely have to find. We have to find peace, but how? How do we pursue peace with others? I think one way is that we deal with conflict early. 
Proverbs chapter 17, verse 14 simply says this. It says, starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam. So drop the matter before a dispute breaks out. Starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam. So drop the matter before a dispute breaks out. Conflict isn't ideal for any of us, but it's a reality for all of us. The earlier that we are able to step in and dialogue about conflict, the earlier we will be able to heal. We can't be people who camp in our frustrations. We can't be people who camp in our anger. We can't be people who find ourselves there instead of in a place of grace and forgiveness. If we stay there too long, it's only going to make everything so much worse. I think another way that we pursue peace is to practice restraint. James chapter 1, verse 19 says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. I never want to be the person who says, stay quiet, like don't express yourself, bottle it up, don't, don't be that person. However, I do want to be the person who says, think before you speak. Think before you speak. And the reason that I want to be the person who says that is because I say that to myself all the time because I am so guilty of it. I talk a lot. I say a lot of things. I wish I could have thought about more before I spoke them. There was a quote going on on, on Instagram uh, the other day, and I, I couldn't find the source. And so forgive me for not um, crediting it to where it's due. Um, but it said something along this line. Would we be people with strong convictions and quiet opinions? Would we be people with strong convictions and quiet opinions? This, this statement gives the room for this. It said, it would say, I, I can hold to my beliefs without budging, that I can believe what I believe with everything in me, but I can also be really careful and really intentional about how I speak about those things. And maybe you're thinking, but Evan, like, we, we need to speak up about Jesus all the time, and I would never argue with that statement. But I do think how we speak is incredibly important. See, here's, here's the thing. We've, we've all heard the phrase, like, the squeaky wheel gets the oil, right? But the squeaky wheel gets the oil because everybody wants the squeaky wheel to shut up. Like, you put oil on it so you don't have to hear it anymore. I don't want to be the squeaky wheel. When I, when, I, when I speak about my convictions, when I speak about my beliefs, I want to be clear. I want to be concise. I want to be compassionate. I want to be full of love so that people are willing to listen to the hope that I have found. Just like that scripture says, gentleness and respect. Gentleness and respect. When we hold to our beliefs, when we, when we have our convictions, when we speak about them with gentleness and respect, my hope is that I would be someone, that we would be people who are as concerned with tilling the soil as we are with harvesting some kind of reward. Here's what I mean. I think we live in a culture that is obsessed with results, and that is also true even in the Christian world. We want to see people make big decisions because following Jesus is the biggest and best decision that anyone could ever make. But am I willing to just walk out relationship with them if they're not quick to make that decision? I think that too often the world speaks the truth, but not with gentleness and not with respect and not seasoned with salt. And what happens is people don't make a decision in that moment because they're actually put off by the way that we've spoken. So am I willing to walk life out? Am I willing to do the hard work of living life alongside someone as they move towards the biggest decision of their life? Are you willing to walk alongside people doing the hard work of living life? as people in your life 
are moving towards making those decisions. The last point is this, is that we need to be people who prepare for a long journey. Peace isn't going to happen overnight. Harmony isn't going to happen overnight. However, if we become people who make a commitment to truly being in it for the long haul, we will eventually get there. Jesus never gives up on us, so let us never give up on one another. It's going to be really easy for us to look for immediate results when we start to intentionally seek harmony. We're going to start practicing restraint. We're going to avoid pride. We're going to do all of the things that we've talked about. We're going to be like, okay, where's the harmony now? Like, show me the harmony. And we might get glimpses of it, and I hope that you do, and I hope that I do too. I think that we can be harmonious parts of an unharmonious world, but the world's not going to be perfect overnight. So let us prepare for a long journey and be willing to do the hard work of living life with people. We live in a broken world, and we are imperfect people trying to love imperfect people. Harmony will be found, but we just have to trust the process. Thank you for listening to the College Age Movement podcast. College Age Movement's in-person gatherings meet Tuesday nights at 7, and we would love to have you there. If you are unable to join us in person, you can engage online at faithchapel.cc or follow us on our socials at collegeagemvmt.